0: find ourselves looking at hearing the voice of Jesus. We read that from John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. Now, we need to kind of set the scene a little bit. Here we come upon the clear declaration that Jesus is God. But in this declaration, it does not come without skepticism, disdain, and just downright frustration from the religious leaders. And we need to make that when the Jews came to him, it really was representative of the, the Jewish religious leaders came to him. Remember, Jesus came and kind of upended all of what they had thought was righteous and what they thought was good. It was about rules and regulations and what they could do. We know that when people encounter Jesus, a response is prompted. We saw that at the, when Jesus met with the Samaritan woman at the well. Something happened Every time we see Jesus encounter somebody, there is a response. Something happens. A few responses that are more than likely. First, hopefully, they accept Jesus as who he says he is, that he is, in fact, God. Sometimes there's skepticism, yet coupled with intrigue and maybe a desire to know more. Those ones sometimes are the most difficult because you're like, well, what are you thinking? Do you really believe? Do you not? Um, I probably don't have the answers for you, but God does. Or you find anger and accusations of Jesus being out of his mind. And listen, sometimes people look at you and say, you're out of your mind. Remember, Jesus said, hey, they're not persecuting you, they're persecuting, per- persecuting me. So don't take it personally that they think you're out of your mind. You know, look, the religious leaders, when Jesus walked this earth, thought he was out of his mind. Now, before, though, we set this indictment on the Pharisees, it's really for easy, easy for us to go, Psh, Oh, those Pharisees. Just a bunch of numbskulls, right? They just, they just didn't get it. But before we put, put, place indictment on them and those who rejected Jesus, we need to understand that we struggle with these three reactions, even as those who are believers. We have moments where we completely embrace the teachings of Jesus. We love that he is God and we're like, oh, thank you, Lord. I-, I love that. We have moments where we struggle to believe and we're a bit skeptical, typically because we're focusing on our own failures, right? Oh, I blew it again. And God's spirit says, but I have great plans for you. I'm going to take care of you. Everything's going to be okay. And you're like, oh, I don't know. I just don't know. And fortunately, He's faithful. And he continues to be faithful even when we're struggling with doubt. Even sometimes, now this is hard to believe for those of us who are believers. We reject what God is saying. And we even become angry and bitter towards God. And say, God, you're out of your mind. Maybe God's saying, hey, I want you to to give more time. (laughs) No, I want you to give more of your finances. Never. Or hey, something's happening in your life, and you're like, how can God be in this? And he says, I still want you to draw close to me. I still want you to come and gather together with believers. And we say, no, I won't have that. But thanks be to God that he doesn't leave us in that state. And he gently brings us around to accept his ways and to know his grace and love. Now remember, the Apostle John, in this epistle, one thing you have to keep in mind is he is intent on showing us that Jesus is God. John chapter 1, in the beginning. Sounds a lot like Genesis chapter 1, but in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 of John chapter 1, he goes, And that Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory of the only begotten Son. So John's saying, this is God. This Jesus is God. And we don't want to miss that. In our reading from Genesis 18, the Lord appeared in human form to Abraham. Abraham. And Abraham honored him, right? You know, you know it's the Lord because Abraham honored him and bowed before him, and he didn't say no. We talked about that weeks ago when I first got here about Melchizedek. You know, Abraham meets him, gives him honor, and Melchizedek doesn't refuse the worship. If it was any, if it was just a servant of the Lord and not God Himself, he would said, "Hey, don't do that. Hey, I'm just like you." But in 18 of Genesis, we see that Abraham comes before. Now the religious leaders would have accepted this account of Abraham. Oh yeah, that was God. That was God appearing to Abraham. But yet here is Jesus now, in human form, appearing as a man, and they're having a really hard time with it. This unbelief was a result of religious practice that the religious leaders had created, which produced a false sense of righteousness that did not require faith, but could only be achieved by the works of man. So I think there's a little side note for us just to be aware of. Be careful not to place our spiritual activity and tradition as limits to how we can see God. Because sometimes we'll say, oh, I I, I come to church. By the way, I encourage that. Thank you all for being here. It's good to gather together. Oh, I read my Bible. I pray every day. All great things. We should do those things. I give to the needy. I help the homeless. Yes, do it. But that should not become how only you can see God. God wants to reveal himself to you. He's given us his word. He's given us the gathering of believers so that we can see, I see God there. He's given us creation, for crying out loud. You can look to the heavens and see the handiwork of God. The Apostle Paul highlights the facts... The fact of Jesus being God from our reading in Colossians 1. He is the very image of the invisible God. In fact, he was the creator of everything. And we know that John chapter 1 told us, Hey, everything that was made that was made that was made was made through him, right? I mean, it kind of feels like that. Everything that was made that was not made that was made. Oh, okay. Everything was made. This is where the battleground happens for our souls and for the souls of other people. Who do you say Jesus is? That is the question for everyone to answer. Who is Jesus? Jesus must be God, or our faith is in vain. When we receive the grace of God by faith in Jesus Christ, we are now his children, known by him as he calls us sheep. And we can hear his gentle voice and know that he is a good shepherd leading us safely home. Now you have some handouts there. Here's the first point. Hearing the voice of Jesus indicates a relationship. Now, often I'll have these little questions on these things. Harold is learning about me. When I ask questions, sometimes there's not a clean answer. Sometimes it's not black and white. Sometimes it's something for me to go. I don't know. Let me think upon that for a while. I feel like I'm doing my job if I'm challenging you to think. Um, You know, we live in a society where people are told what to think and not to think for themselves. And and as believers, we have a great opportunity to go. Hey, don't check your mind out. Let's let's think. Let's be critical thinkers. In the school systems today, I'm going to get on a tangent, I better stop, but we need to teach our kids to think and not just accept what they're being told. The religious leaders held this power over the people where the people are like, I'm just accepting what you tell us because apparently that's what's true. The Reformation, right? That's a lot of what was happening with us. Why we're here today is because Martin Luther goes, hey, people need to know for themselves. Why are you withholding the grace of God? From people. So these questions sometimes don't have clear answers. But I want you to think about them. But sometimes they do. Maybe the Lord's ministering to you right now. But hearing the voice of Jesus indicates a relationship. Now you've probably heard the phrase that the Christian life is not about religion, but about relationship. How many of you have heard that? Okay, good. I just want to make sure you're awake. So, <laughs> But here's the problem with catchphrases in Christendom, because there's a ton of them. I've listed a few here that you'll hear. They are often true, sometimes not so true, but often true, but they usually hold a greater meaning than we realize. pastor friend of mine uses this one, all, a couple of these all the time. God's better is better. Yeah, it is. But when you stop and think about that, when you're going through the loss of a loved one or financial crisis or, or what, and you hear God's better is better, that's a really tough nut to swallow. It's really difficult. There's more joy in Jesus, yes. But what if I don't feel very good right now? What if circumstances, bless you, what if circumstances happen to where I'm just like, you know, I'm just not feeling the love today from the Lord. You've heard this, maybe. There's joy in the journey. <laughs> some people haven't been on my path. <laughs> There's some no joys, you, you know. Uh, this is one from a men's conference years ago. Bulletproof and blood So basically the whole point was, your days on earth are numbered by the Lord. So you're bulletproof until he sees fit, because you're blood-bought. And there's some poor theology in some of these. Do your best, and God will do the rest. That's all I have to say on that one. Uh, God helps those who help themselves. A double one on that one, right? Because, you know, these things... They're supposed to help us, and there's many more. I mean, you guys have probably heard a lot. I, I was trying to think of some in my early Christendom that, that just, but then they were so silly and dumb, I said, I can't share those. But, but we must live our lives by truly knowing Jesus in this relationship, and not simple phrases that may or may not be helpful. I mean, I'm not saying that to say, hey, God's better is better. Or was another one that you'd say, hey, there, there, there's no surprises in the kingdom. There's no bad news in the kingdom. <laughs> okay, well, I see what you're saying. But right now I'm feeling pretty bad. So what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus? It means, first and foremost, that He has done something on our behalf to make it possible. We cannot, in our own strength, have a relationship with God. It has to be something He has instigated. The Gospel is proclaiming the love of God and how Jesus made the way for us to have a relationship with God. The Apostle Paul explains in Romans 5 that we have been justified. Well, he starts, therefore we have peace with God. Which is, again, what I've told you many times. That's what everybody longs for. They want to have peace with God. And he explains that we have been justified by Christ and that we, while we were still sinners, this boggles my mind, why we didn't want to have anything to do with God. We didn't want to recognize Him. We didn't care about Him. He died for us and made a way. We were dead and God breathed life into us and opened our ears to hear the wonderful words of promised eternal life. So let's just take, a, I'm not going not, not to count the seconds, but take, just take a moment to try and comprehend that the God of all creation is in a relationship with you and he's speaking to you. He just spoke His love by turning the air conditioner on. Did you hear that? I'm like, yes, thank you, Jesus. But how does it make you feel? We all have different things. How it makes makes me feel overwhelmed, makes me feel definitely unworthy, but so grateful that He loves me. If you are unsure of whether you've heard the voice of Jesus, I would ask if you have responded to the good news of life in Him as a free gift of salvation. If you have received the grace of Jesus and have been made in a new creation, then you are his child, his sheep, and you have heard and can continue to hear his voice. Here is the best way. Okay, you're going to write this down. Here's the best way to hear his voice. Are you ready? Listen for him. You're like, well, duh. Yeah, that's, really? That's it? That's it. It might seem rudimentary like that's too simple how are the enemy of our souls our flesh this world provides constant noise that makes it challenging to hear the voice of our Savior we are probably and this is true for all generations but it just seems like we are more and more distracted there's more things vying for our attention than ever what's the next Netflix show I got to watch right why haven't they uploaded my next series on, you know, on whatever TV show? You know, what, where's the next softball game? Where's the next baseball game? Hey, there's a concert coming. Hey, there's a great place to eat. All these things that we, wh- where's my Facebook feed? What's it saying? I got I to check it. If, listen, if you can't see something in a couple minutes on your Facebook feed that means anything, you're probably not going to. Just put it away. Look at it in a few hours again. It's no big deal, right? God is always speaking to his children. I am confident that he is speaking to each and every one of us. And we know that that voice is still, and it's calm, and it's sweet. That Remember that gentle whisper. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the fire. That gentle whisper. Why? Because the sheep know his voice. Now you've probably heard this analogy before, but the shepherds, when the sheep would go astray, would take that, that sheep, break its legs, or at least one of them, and put him around shoulders while it healed, and hang, and hung, and would walk with that sheep around his shoulders. And you know, how many? Of you, a lot of you have animals, and you have pets, and, and you ever have them cuddling with you, and you just kind of whisper to them, right? It's kind of a cute thing. And and maybe, okay, wives aren't pets, but maybe husbands, you whisper to your your, your wife, you know. But they would hold this sheep around until the leg would heal, and then when they put the, the sheep back off of their shoulders. The sheep was so longing for and craving that relationship with the shepherd, it would never stray again. We can hear the still, small voice of Jesus because he's carrying us. So here's a challenge. No, not a challenge. Don't do that to me. This week, I want to encourage you. Maybe you're already in the habit of doing this. If so, awesome. Take a few moments every day, carve it out, to read the word and be still before the Lord with the express expectation of hearing from him. We have a hard time being still. I am terrible at it. Ask my wife. She'll be like, you're not good at being still. I, I, I don't. <clears throat> you know, I don't stand, you know, in one position up here before you. I've got to move around. But God's been revealing to me, Kirk, you need to be still. You need to take the time just to rest in me. And he's provided a wonderful lawn and a riding lawnmower <laughs> that allows me that. Because I still feel like I'm doing something, but I'm just resting before him and I can hear some things. So thanks for having a lawn. it's like. I also would ask and encourage you that you would say to the Lord, Lord, what do you have in store for me today? And wait in eager expectation. Sometimes we pray to the Lord and then we just go on, right? We don't expect things to happen. The second point we must enjoy is hearing the voice of Jesus promises eternal life. The Sheep know his voice. We know that we are all going to take our last breath one of these days. Hopefully not anytime soon. But this is a mystery that people are seeking to discover what happens after you take that breath. Everyone knows I'm getting closer and closer. How many more surgeries can I have to make my face look younger again, right? Or other parts of my body look younger. But they're trying to do that to avoid taking the last breath. But you know what? The clock's set. It's still ticking. We should take care of ourselves. But everyone's seeking what happens afterward. Here's something important, and I'm going to repeat it twice. What we believe about the afterlife influences our behavior in this life. Hope you grabbed that. What we believe in the afterlife influences how we act, what we do in this life. When we hear the voice of Jesus, we are assured of the promise of eternal life. The words that Jesus speaks to us are telling us that he has saved us. He has given his grace to us. He has imparted his righteous life and removed our sins. He has granted us his own spirit to lead us into all truth and gives us peace to know that God has received us now and for all eternity. Now, many times we struggle with this idea because we have allowed the cares of this life, the trials of this life, and unmet expectations to hinder us from hearing the voice of Christ. Expectations are a funny thing. You know, I... I, Years ago, when Laura and I were talking and we, we planted a church in Northern California, one of the things that I said, hey, I, I want us to go in this without expectations. How can we just remove expectations? And then what you find is when certain things don't happen, there were expectations there that you didn't think they're there because you said you weren't going to have them there, but they were there anyway, and now they're unmet. Our hope is in Christ alone. His expectation, we expect Him. They will never... The promises of Christ will never disappoint. When we do practice the spiritual discipline of hearing the voice of Jesus through his word and prayer, we find it difficult to not believe that we are his. But when we don't practice it, we really struggle with our identity. Am I really a believer? Am I really in Christ? And God says, if you spend some time with me hearing my voice, you won't doubt that. Thanks be to God that he's given us his spirit. And you'll hear that from me a lot. Thanks be to God that he's given us his spirit. He has not left us alone. And he's given us the fellowship of one another to encourage us to focus on the things above and not the things of this world. Colossians 3.2 exhorts us to fix our eyes on the things above and not the things of this earth. So here's a key point. Another one. Really? Your current experience of hope and joy is determined by your focus. If I have hope and joy, it's because my focus is on Christ. If I'm finding myself struggling with hope and joy, my focus is probably not on Christ. That's where the battle is, right? The enemy's like, if I can just distract you from Christ, you won't love others. If I can just keep your your eyes focused on something else, you won't gather together and be encouraged. If I can just have you go through this trial, you'll walk into that supermarket. And you'll say, well, I'm a Christian, so I'm happy. But the love of Christ won't come out and you'll consider you'll look inwardly instead of outwardly. May we encourage one another to rest in the finished work of Christ and take the time to be assured of the promised eternal life. Husbands and wives, I want to encourage you, help your spouse take the time to spend with the Lord. I found out early on, help my wife, it helps her. You know, she loves Jesus more than me, and I had to be okay with that. You know? That's what we want. In marriage, when two people are focusing on Christ, they seem to get along. It's when they quit focusing on Christ that there are problems. We know that the promises of God are sure, and that no one can change what God has done. Jesus will not lose any that the Father has given, the promise of eternal life, which brings us to our final point. Hearing the voice of Jesus is hearing the Word of God. Jesus states plainly that He and the Father are one, but we must hear, I think, something important, what He stated just before He proclaims that He and the Father are one. Jesus states that no one who hears His voice shall be lost. None can snatch them out of His hand. In fact, none can snatch them out of the Father's hand. Those who are Christ have been given eternal life, and they will never perish. Jesus states that the Father is greater than all. And then, he says, and the Father and I are one. Clearly proclaiming that he is God, greater than all. This is uh, something that rubbed people a little bit wrong. And I think that that's what rubs people wrong today. You're greater than all? Really? Jesus, you're, you're God? Come on. Which means you get to tell me what to do? Well, yes and no. God longs for a relationship with us. He longs to whisper his promises to us. He longs to give us his spirit to guide and direct us to greater joy in him. I feel it's important that we emphasize this point that that Jesus is addressing the unbelief at the beginning of the passage. He says, I told you that I'm him, but you wouldn't believe. How many of you have friends you said, well, Jesus is God, and they're like, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Well, that might be good for you, but that's just not where I'm... What do you mean it's not good? It's good for everyone. The most crucial point in our belief is whether or not we believe that Jesus is God. One of the crucial questions Jesus asked the disciples, well, who do you say I am? Because he was hearing what some were saying. The same question, again, circle back to this, Jesus is asking us today. When we are hearing the voice of Jesus, we are comforted with the fact that he is God greater than all and that what he says is true. We can rest when we hold to the truth that Jesus is greater than all and that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus because he has overcome the world. Listen, whether you feel like you're a conqueror or not doesn't change the fact that he says you are more than a conqueror. Doesn't matter. Feelings come and go. The truth of God remains. We know that Jesus is God and the truth has set us free. Jesus is speaking to us and confirming the truth of who he is and the security we have in his promises for all eternity. Now listen, sometimes we struggle. So if you're struggling with feeling the presence of God or being assured of your salvation, be encouraged today. He wants you to know that he loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's made it possible for you. Be encouraged to hold on to the truth of God and not your feelings, your circumstances, or the vain pursuits of this world. How many of you remember the thing that you wanted for Christmas when you were five years old? Probably none of us. But there was something. I just have to have that. And then that came and went. You play with it and you're like, now I need something else. That's the vain pursuits of this world. It never ends, there's no limit. to to finding failure in the pursuits of this world. Be encouraged to respond with acting upon the prompting to set aside time to read God's word, to be still and to pray. You will not be disappointed. Last week I said, you know, let's start praying this on a daily basis. God, what are you inviting me into today? When we pray that, we set our intentions on our day upon the truth that God is greater than all and that he has prepared our day and our moments, for us to walk in them, to experience, and to enjoy Him. Lord, what are you inviting me in today? I don't know what today holds. I really don't. We can make plans, but we really don't know what the whole day holds. We think we have it laid out, but things change. God is our ever-present help, our peace, our hope, our joy, our life. He forgives, He saves, He sustains. Let's just take a moment and think upon these things and respond in the strength of the Spirit.